Our Old Testament passage today is another one of those passages with all the names in it, but there are some great little gems that come out, so you never want to skip these passages. First Chronicles chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. The sons of Issachar, Tola, Pua, Jashab, and Shimron, four. The sons of Tola, Uzi, Raphaiah, Jerel, Jemiah, Ishbsam, and Shemiel, heads of their father's houses, namely of Tola, mighty warriors of their generations. And look at that. These men are called mighty warriors of their generations. Their number in the days of David being 22,600. The sons of Uzi, Israhiah, and the sons of Israhiah, Michael, Obadiah, Joel, and Ishiah. All five of them were chief men. All along with them by their generations, according to their father's house, were units of armies for war, 36,000, for they had many wives and sons. Verse 5, their kinsmen, belonging to all the clans of Issachar, were in all 87,000 mighty warriors, enrolled by genealogy. The sons of Benjamin, Bela, Bachor, and Jediel, three. The sons of Bela, Isbon, Uzi, Uzael, Jeremoth, and Iri, five. Heads of the fathers' houses, mighty warriors. I like that, mighty warriors. And their enrollment by genealogies was 22,034. The sons of Becher, Zemira, Joash, Eliezer, Eli Onai, Amri, Jeremoth, Abijah, and Ahoth, Alimath. All these were the sons of Bechar. And their enrollment by genealogy, according to their generations as heads of their fathers' houses, mighty warriors, was 20,200. The sons of Jadiel, Bilhan, and the sons of Bilhan, Juash, Benjamin, Ehud, Shananah, Zethan, Tarshish, and Ashahahar. All these are the sons of Jadiel, according to the heads of their fathers' houses, mighty warriors, 17,200 able to go to war. And Supin, Hupin, were the sons of Ir, Husham, the son of Ahir, the sons of Nathali, Jazil, Guni, Jezer, and Shalom, the descendants of Bilhah, the sons of Manasseh, Ashriel, whom his Armenian concubine born, and she bore Makir, the father of Gilead. And Makir took a wife for Hupim and Supim. The name of his sister was Ma'acha, and the name of the second was Zelophahad, and Zelophahad had daughters. And Ma'acha, the wife of Makir bore a son, and she called his name Perish, and the name of his brother Sherish, and his sons were Ulam and Rakim. The son of Ulam, Bedem, and they were the sons of Gilead, the son of Makir, the son of Manasseh. And his sister, Hamohoheth, bore Ishtad, Abazir, and Hathla, and the sons of Shemida were Ahian, Shechem, Lehi, and Aniham. And the sons of Ephraim, Shuthalah, and Barad his son, Tahath his son, Eladah his son, Tahath his son, Zabad his son, Shatulah his son, and Ezer and Elad, whom the men of Gath were born in the land killed, because they came down to raid their livestock. Now notice, whom the men of Gath killed, who were born in the land, because they came down to raid their livestock. What a testimony. So he's got these sons who were born in the land who got killed. Sad testimony. And Ephraim, their father, mourned many days, and his brothers came to comfort him. And Ephraim went into his wife, and she conceived and bore a son. And he called his name Bariah, because disaster had fallen his house. 
His daughter was Sherah, who built lower and upper Beth Horon, and Uzan Sheraiah. Now notice his daughter, who built lower and upper Beth Horon, and Uzan Sherah. The daughter, a daughter who built cities. Wow, young ladies, lift up your head. I mean, here's women leadership again. She built lower and upper Beth Horon and Uzan Sharah. Wow. Ladies, some of you young ladies, here's a city builder. Rephath his son, Resheth his son, Tela his son, and Tahan his son, Ladan his son, Amenuhud his son, and Eshama his son, Nun his son, Joshua his son. Their possessions and settlements were Bethel and its towns, and to the east of Naaran, and to the west Gezer and his towns, Shechem and his towns, and Ayah and his towns. Also in possession of the Manassites, Bethshan with its towns, Tanakh with its towns, Megiddo and his towns, Daor and his towns. In these lived the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. Now notice, the tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, were the ones who originally controlled Bashan. So some of these Bible places that we've taken you to in Israel begin to understand this is where the son of Joseph, Manasseh, the half-tribe of Manasseh, this is where they lived. The sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, Beriah, and their sister Sarah. And the sons of Beriah, Heber, and Malkiel, who fathered Bezraeth. And Hebner fathered Jatheth, Shomer, Hatham, and their sister Shua. And the sons of Jethlet, Pashak, Bimhal, Ashva, these were the sons of Jethlet. And the sons of Shemar, his brother, Rogah, Jehuba, and Aram. And the sons of Helam, his brother, Zohah, Imna, Shalash, and Amal. And the sons of Zopheth, Sua, Harneper, Shua, Beri, and Imra. Bezer, Had, Shammah, Shilshah, Ithran, and Beria. Then the sons of Jether, Jehuthna, Peshpa, and Ara. And the sons of Ula, Ara, Haniel, and Reziah. All these were the sons of Asher, heads of their father's houses, approved mighty warriors, chief among the princes. Again, here's that mighty warriors. Their numbers enrolled by genealogies for service in war, 26,000. Now, Notice, young ladies especially, if you would have skipped that passage and just said, oh, look at all these names, you would have missed that there was a daughter, there was a girl, who built two cities in Israel. Ladies, don't ever, don't ever let people make you think that there's something you can't do. <laughs> Chapter 8, verse 1. Benjamin followed Bela, his firstborn, Ashbel the second, and Hara the third. Nohah the fourth, and Rapha the fifth. And Bela had sons, Adar, Gerat, Abihud, Abashua, Naam, Ahoa, Gera, Shephufan, and Huram. These are the sons of Ehud. They are heads of the father's houses of the inhabitants of Giba. And they were carried into exile into Manahath, Naamnam, Ahijah, and Gera, that is, Heglam, who fathered Uzzah and Ahihud. And Shaharim, fathered sons in the county, country of Moab after he had sent away Husham and Barah, his wives. And he fathered sons by Hodesh, his wife, Jobad, Zabiah, Mesha, and Malcolm, Jeuz, Shakaya, and Mimrah. These were his sons, heads of the father's houses. 
He also fathered sons by Hishim, Abitab, and Elpaal, and the sons of Elpaal, Abner, Misham, and Shemad, who built Ono and Lod in his towns. Okay, so here are men who again built these towns that are still either remnants of those towns or towns still there today. And Bariah and Shema, who were heads of the fathers' houses of the inhabitants of Ajalon, who caused the inhabitants of Gath to flee. Alright, so these guys are known as fearsome warriors. And Ahia, Shashak, and Jeremoth, Zebediah, Arad, Eder, Machel, Ishpa, and Joah were sons of Bariah. Zebediah, Mishulam, Hizka, Heber, Ishbariah, Isliah, and Jobab were the sons of Ipaal. Jakim, Sekri, Zabid, Elinai, Zelithai, Eliel, Abadiah, Beriah, and Shamrath are the sons of Shemai. Ishpan, Ebner, Eliel, Adan, Sekri, Hanan, Hananiah, Elam, Athanajah, Ephtaiah, and Penuah were the sons of Shashak. Shap, Sham Shariah and Shishariah, Althiliah, Jerashahiah, Elijah, and Zikri were sons of Jeroam. These are the heads of the fathers' houses, according to their chiefs, according to their generations, chief men. These lived in Jerusalem. All right, so these people that we're talking about now lived in Jerusalem. Jael, the father of Gibeon, lived in Gibeon, and his wife's name was Maacha. His firstborn son, Abdon, then Zur, Kish, Baal, Nadab, Gedor, Ahio, and Zechar. And Milkloth, he fathered Shemaiah. These, now these also lived opposite their kinsmen in Jerusalem with their kinsmen. Ner was the father of Kish, Kish, the father, Kish of Saul, Saul of Jonathan, Malkishua, Abinadab, and Eshbaal. And the sons of Jonathan were Merah Baal. Merah Baal was the father of Bekah. And Machah, Bithon, Milcah, Tareah, and Ahaz. Ahaz fathered Jedidah, and Jedidah fathered Elimeth, Asmaveth, and Zimri. And Zimri fathered Moza. And Moza fathered Benaiah. And Raphath was his son. And Elisha his son. And Azel his son. Azra had six sons, and these are their names. Azrikam, Bakuru, Ishmael, Sheraiah, Obadiah, and Hanan. All these are the sons of Azil, and the sons of Ishak, his brother, Ulam, his firstborn, Juash, the second, and Eliphalet, the third. The sons of Ulam were mighty warriors. Here's that mighty warriors again, bowmen. Having many sons and grandsons, 150, all of these were Benjaminites. Whew, a lot of names again. But I want you to notice principles. Leaders of these men, leaders of these tribes were mighty men, great warriors. They built cities. Women built cities. Some people, because they were not very nice people, they, they died because they went down and raided villages and stole from other people, and they, they died in that raid. So you see lots of little principles. Always remember, never just read the passages that are fun to read. Read the whole Bible. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in Acts chapter 25, beginning with verse 13. Now, this is pretty close to the end of Paul's two years in Caesarea. Imprisoned is the correct word, but maybe a little strong because it's a golden cage. He's, he's living there under bottom house arrest. He has freedom to move around with some limitations. His friends are able to bring him things. So it's, it's, it's not an unpleasant two years. In fact, I sometimes say it's like God saying, Paul, it's time for you to have a break. And God used what was meant for evil to actually give Paul a break. And he was able to live there by the shores of the Mediterranean, listening, falling asleep every night to the sound of the waves crashing and looking across that beautiful fresh air. It would have been a nice place for his body to heal up after all he had been through. Now, down near the end of that period, he's already appealed to Caesar. Now, when some days had passed, Agrippa the king and Bernice arrived in Caesarea and greeted Festus now. You have to understand, Caesarea was, of course, the Roman port city and the center of government for the Romans. Their legions were based there. It's where everything came in and out from Rome. As he stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king. He said, there's a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had an opportunity to make their defense concerning the charge laid against him. Now notice, face your accusers. This is a basis of law today. Roman law provides a basis for a lot of the law of Western civilization. So when they came together, I made no delay, but on the next day took, seat, took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. But rather they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss of how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until he be sent to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I'd like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. On the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and prominent men of the city. Now, isn't this fascinating? The great military leaders, the prominent men of the city, and then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found there nothing deserving death. And as he has appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my lord about him. Therefore I have brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate charges against him. Now, beloved, I want you just to notice how all things work together for good. Paul's had a nice two years rest in a beautiful environment, nice fresh air. His friends could bring him all the food he needed and take care of his needs. And now, before he leaves, 
God allows him again to preach the gospel to the military tribunes, the top military leaders of all of that part of the world, the prominent men of the city, to King Agrippa and Bernice, to Festus. Paul has another opportunity, as he was promised a salvation, that he would preach the gospel to the kings of the Gentiles. Chapter 26, verse 1. So King Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that is before you, King Agrippa. I'm going to make my defense this today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies <laughs> of the Jews. He said, therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. He said, King Agrippa, you understand the customs of the people. And he said, you understand how the Jews just love to argue theologies. He said, my manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial here today because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. It is for this hope I am accused, O king. Now notice the hope. Paul said, this is all about the hope. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? This is the hope of the resurrection. These people, these Sadducees, just could not stomach the idea that Jesus raised from the dead. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Now, again, cast my vote. This would be, he's a member of the Sanhedrin. So he cast his vote. You often hear me say Paul was a member of the Sanhedrin. He cast his vote. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Now, we're going to continue this defense tomorrow. But I want you to notice as Paul gives his testimony and he shares the gospel. He says, listen, this is who I was. He said, I'm... I'm on trial for the hope of the resurrection. And this is who I was. And tomorrow we're going to see this is who God made me. And that's what a good testimony is all about. Who I was and who God has made me. Now let's have a little wisdom today from Proverbs chapter 1, beginning with verse 29. He said, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, did not choose Respect for God is a choice. Did not choose the fear of the Lord. Respecting God is a choice. Would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. All right. Attitude toward correction. This 
They despise correction, you know. You'll find that there are people today in your offices, there are young people today, they despise correction. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have the fill of their own devices. Now here is the judgment for stubborn sin. Here is the judgment for stubborn sin. You eat the fruit of your own way, you get the fill of your own devices. You know, I looked at a person one time and, I, and they said, Pastor Sir, well, I don't know why this is happening. I said, I do. They said, how, how do you know what happened, Pastor? I said, because I know what you do. And you're going to eat the fruit of your own way. You chose this life, now you're going to eat the fruit of it. You chose these decisions. You've often heard me make the statement, you make your decisions and then your decisions make you. Well, that's exactly what's happening here. Old Brother Osteen used to say, make your words sweet because one day you're going to eat them. That's very, very true. You shall eat the fruit of your own way. You shall have the fill of your own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. Remember not too long ago we taught you several sermons on complacency. Complacency is not contentment. Complacency is the evil twin of contentment. It's, it looks like contentment, but it's destructive. Contentment is productive. Contentment is a beautiful spiritual virtue. Complacency is what most Christians think is contentment, but it's just complacency, and it's destructive. It will destroy you. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure, will be at ease, without dread of disaster. You and I may see problems coming. We may see difficult times of coming, but we don't dread disaster. Say, why not, Pastor? Because we know that God is with us. Brothers and sisters, God never promised us that walking through this life would be like walking with a rose garden and just smelling the flowers all day. It's not like that. We're still in this world. We're not of this world, but we're still in this world. Just like Jesus lived in a world with plagues and he healed people of the plague. Just like Paul lived in a world with famines and pestilence and lived in that world. We do also. But we don't dread them because God is with us. All right. We'll see you tonight with Brother John. Please go to our other website and download that free book. Uh, it's a free book, free book PDF. It's right there for you. Rich God, Poor God. And then tune in every night this week and let Brother John teach you and encourage you for your harvest. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.